Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! said we're in a transition season we're in a transition period and I'm excited about what God's doing through us what God is going to do and what he is preparing you know some of the greatest you know we we can't see it but whenever you go to Walmart or Kroger or whatever food giant or whatever grocery store you go to you know when you go to get produce when you go to get strawberries or oranges or you know broccoli or whatever it is peppers onions you know we see the finished product but we don't see when the farmer, when he goes out into the field, we don't see what the tilling of the ground looks like. You know, every October we, we go into that series where we talk about sowing seeds and tilling the ground and burning the fields. I love that. But we don't get to see that. You know, we get to see the onions. You know, if you want an onion, all right, you know, you touch, you know, uh, touch your spouse, hey, stop by the store, get some onions before you come home. Or you may make a mental note to get some onions for dinner before you come home. And we go to the store, you get the onions and you get the tomatoes, but we don't get to see when it looks like this. You know, but understand there is there is prosperity, there is success in every season. There is God is in every season. He's not just in the finished product, but he's in the tilling of the ground. He's in the burning of the field. He's in the sowing of the seeds. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you, make sure that you don't uh, you don't fall into temptation of thinking that he has forsaken us in the season because he hasn't. There is a tilling of the ground that he's doing. There's a sowing of the seed that he's doing. Amen. We started a series last week called The Body. We've been talking about the body of Christ. We've been talking about the fivefold ministry and how it is a gift from God. Amen. Amen. If you if you weren't here last week, I encourage you um, listen to the podcast to, to catch up. But just to give you some recap, you know, together we said last week, but we said together every believer in Jesus Christ is a part of a grand collective known as the body of Christ. You know, if you've placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, we become, we are part of the body of Christ. We are part of this large body of Christ that stretches across the globe, amen? amen. You, may not, you may not be able to speak a foreign language, but guess what? If you have placed your trust and confidence with Jesus along with somebody else across the globe that's placed their trust and confidence in Jesus, you and him or you and her are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are children of God, amen? We are part of this grand collective. And in this series, we, we talked about how we were, we were, the hopes were to relearn the parts of the body of Christ and all of its functions so we could become aware of God's plans to perfect us, to edify us, and equip us for the working of serving others. Amen. Amen. The scripture says that he's going to edify and equip us for the work in the ministry. But if we're breaking that down, the work in the ministry, it is the work of serving others. Amen. The work of serving others. Cohen's good. Cohen's good. Don't worry about Cohen. He's great. He's good. I heard him scream earlier, so he's good. If he ain't bleeding, that's when you know somebody got multiple children. You know, the first one with Kellen. Kellen busts his knee off. It's okay, Kellen. Kellen get paper. Oh, God. And Keenan came along. Oh, you know, there, there was a couple exclamation points, but it was a few periods before that. And then Cohen come along. It's like, you good? All right, yeah, roll it on. <laughs> hey. You know, yesterday, uh, Cohen Cohen did something, and Kellen's like, Daddy, Cohen got hurt. I was like, well, hold on. Let's get quiet. I didn't hear him. I said, he's good. He's good. Uh, do you hear him scream? No? Okay, he's good, buddy. He's good. You'll learn when you get older. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we've been talking about how, you know, the purpose of this series is so we can see Jesus rightly, so we can see God rightly. 
You know, I heard a minister say, if we believe right, if you believe right, you'll walk right. And if we walk right, then guess what? We are just like Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. We're not falling prey to the temptations or the tricks of the enemy. You know, we're no longer ignorant to the devices of Satan is what Romans 6, 11 says. And if we're not falling for the tricks of the enemy, then guess what? We're walking around. We're not walking around surrendering our hearts to fear, which is John 14, 1. If we're, if we're not believing the lies of the enemy, then we're not surrendering our hearts to fear. And if you're not surrendering your heart to fear, we've talked about this before, then you are not taking on pressures that were never meant for you. Amen? You are not taking on pressures that were never meant for you to carry. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. You know, this is the scriptures that we covered last week. But today we're going to, we're going to read in the Mirror Study Bible. And if you don't have that, I don't think you do. But if you do, awesome. If not, we'll put it on the screen for you. But according to the Mirror Study Bible, in verse 11, what God has is gift-wrapped. He's gift-wrapped it to the world. Some are commissioned to pioneer. Others are gifted prophetically. Some as announcers of good news. Some as shepherds with a real gift to care and nurture. And others have a, a gift to, at, uh, get to instruction. Let me put it. Let's see. With a real gift to care and nurture. Others have a gift to at night instruction through revelation knowledge. So in verse 11, according to the text, the fivefold ministry are gifts from God. Now watch this. A gift is meant to be appreciated, never abused. I mean, if, if somebody gives you a gift, you appreciate it. You know, what? Let, me, let me best say it this way. If someone gives, somebody gives you $100 million, you're going to appreciate that real good. You ain't going to be like, ah, okay, I'll take it. Thank you. You know, if somebody gives you a pen, you're like, okay, well, thank you. You know, I need a pen. But it's different when somebody gives you a pen or $100 million. It's different when somebody gives you, you know, a piece of paper or a check. You know what I mean? Like, we, there's, there's levels to this, but a gift is meant to be appreciated, never abused. And watch this. Most churches abuse the gifts of the fivefold ministry. For example, people use the office of the apostle as a hall pass for pride or arrogance or mistreating people or lordship, and some and so many other egregious things. But we live in a time now where the world is, is privy to calling the church out when we, when we mess up. And, you know, I used to, I remember back in 2020 when COVID happened, so many things happened, and it felt like it was this whole movement of everybody was, everybody's, everybody's secrets were thrown out to public. And I remember the church was that they, they kept harping on, well, you know, they kept harping and preaching and, and just, you know, reciprocating that it was us against the world. Well, last time I checked, it is not you against the world. It is you for the world. Because Jesus has placed you in this world for this world. Let me, let me, let me, let me knock on your door for a minute. Jesus has placed you in your family for your family. Jesus has placed you on your job for your job. Well, Lindsay, what about that coworker that I just can't stand? God wants to love them and wrap his loving arms around them and transform their life. So guess what? He puts you on that job. And I'm talking to myself because, Lordy day, I got some folks where I'm just like, Lord, really? Really? And he's like, yes, really, Lindsay. You. What God wants to do through his family, through the people, through the community, through the town, what God wants to do through this city. Everybody say Lexington. What God wants to do through Lexington, he has placed you in Lexington. Amen? What God wants to do uh, through your, the whatever town is that you live in, he wants to use you for that. Amen? And that's why we have the fivefold ministry. 
That's why we have the fivefold ministry. We read it earlier, but the fivefold ministry is gifts. It's gift wrapped. God has gift wrapped the, uh, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor. Amen. So many things God has gift wrapped for us. And we live in a time where now where everybody loves, loves to throw out the secrets. Everybody loves to make the secrets known to everything. And I remember the church we was at a few years ago when they were talking about all that and just really painting this picture of how it was us against the world. I remember saying to myself, Lord, it's not really us against you. I said, in fact, the world is doing our job that we're supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be holding ourselves accountable. We are supposed to be holding ourselves accountable. If there's something that is not right, we are the ones that are supposed to say, hey, I, I, this, this is far off from the text. This is far off from where Jesus intended us to go. Let me give you an example, Paul and Peter. I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a chance where when you look in the Gospels, when you look in the New Testament, where literally Peter is preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, which are not the Jews. But whenever the Jews would come in the room, he would stop and he would go sit and dine and fellowship with the Jews and not speak to the Gentiles. And I love this because y'all know me, I'm a stay ready kind of person. Paul witnessed this in the scriptures, the Bible says. Paul witnesses, and he went and confronted Peter and said, hey, what you are doing, it does not line up with the heart of the one that we serve. It doesn't line up with the heart of the one that we were created for. It doesn't line up with the one that died on the cross and saved the world. You open up 1 John, it says that while we were enemies of God, I love that. Because, see, my kids, they, they love superheroes. They love good and evil. They have games where, and they watch movies and shows where the superhero, the good person is identified and the bad person is identified. And they have this thing where, you know, we, whenever they get a superhero toy, we never buy villain toys. We, we just don't because we don't want any of them portraying themselves as a villain. So, therefore, when it comes to battling, they struggle because they're like, how are we supposed to battle? We don't have any bad guys. I'm like, well, pretend your pillow is the bad guy and bite the pillow. I don't know what it is. But 1 John says that while we were enemies, it's hard to paint yourself as the bad guy. It's hard to paint yourself as the villain. But John says that while we were opposing Jesus, while we were opposing God, he saved us. Amen. Amen. Somebody said he saved me. And I love this because we should be the ones that are, are, are as we should be the ones that are searching our own heart and seeing is there any bit of carnality in the way we do our Sunday morning gatherings. We should be the ones that should be searching our theology on tithe and offering and seeing is there any is there anything that that benefits my flesh in this. We should be the ones that, 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 that investigate or search the reason why we do what we do, how we do it and when we do it. Amen. That's why we're building something new. I know Kelsey said that we're in this transition period. We are because we are building something new. Why? Because in Lexington, here's the motto that should be for Lexington. On earth as it is in Lexington. Or on earth, on in Lexington, on in Lexington as it is in heaven. There we go. The way, the reality of heaven, that's the reality of Lexington. Well, Lindsay, when I go down Main Street, it don't look like that. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Better yet, Lindsay, when I get around my family, it, does, it doesn't feel like what heaven feels like. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Lindsay, when I, when I get in the car, I don't, I, I don't see heaven when I'm driving down the road. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Lindsay, this puts the ball back in our court. Yes, that's what the gospel does. It takes what God has done for us, even if you didn't deserve it, even if you didn't ask for it. It takes what he has done and what he has freely given, and it puts it back in your court. Puts it back in your court to make the shot. 
puts it back in your court to pass the ball, puts it back in your court to get people saved, puts it back in your court to, uh, to mend broken hearts, it puts it back in your court to heal those that are sick, bring back those that are lost, love on those that need love, restore hope to those that need hope, restore faith to those that have lost faith, amen? It puts the ball back in your court. Somebody say it's in my court. And I love that because what we are trying to build is something that reflects heaven. We said it last week, but when we're talking about we we started breaking down the apostle, the role of the apostle. And the apostle is the one that builds, the one that sets the foundation, the one that's responsible for everything that, you know, the greatest house. The greatest mansion, if you go down maybe a mile down this way, when you turn out, if you go a mile down this way and then take a right, you'll see a few mansions. And as great as those mansions look, and I was telling Kelsey because uh, we, we was talking about um, back when I worked for the post office, there was this route I used to run in Jackson. And I loved it because it had these mansions. I mean like, I mean like MTV crib mansions. You pull up in there. And I remember one of the first times I had to drop a package off there, and I went to this house, and it had a package room. And Kelsey's like, what's a package room? I was like, girl, let me tell you. Let me tell you what a package room is. It's this, it's this room almost the size of the foyer or the lobby out here. And it's enclosed. The door is always open, at least for us it was. And you go in there, they had a mini fridge, not just like one of those little cheap mini fridges. I mean like a, a mini fridge loaded with Gatorades and, and waters and not the Deer Park water, not the $1.99 water, the like Fuji water, the water that you're like, ooh, yeah, I ain't going to get that, but it looks good. The water that is so expensive that it tastes different. You, in your mind, when you know the fact that it costs more, you're like, it does taste different. Ooh, yeah, it even smells different. You're swishing the water, even though it's water. You know, it tasted, but it, you know, had the mini fridge, it had the snacks that were organized, not just a random basket, but it was organized, alphabetical, and color-coded, and all these different things. And the purpose of it was that if you had a, you know, if a delivery uh, service or a courier would bring a package, they would drop it off in there, and it would keep it from getting wet. And this, and, and you know, I was beginning to describe to her how grand this house was, but at the end of the day, no matter how tall or how grand the house is, if the foundation is weak, the house will not stand, amen? Every great house, every great building has to have a firm foundation. If we are going to be the church, if we're going to be a city that is set on a hill, we have to make sure our foundation is right, amen? amen. If we're going to be the lamp that's set on a lampstand to expose darkness and illuminate the gospel in our families and in our streets and in our cities and in our towns, then we have to make sure our foundation is right, amen? And that's where the apostle comes into play. That's where the apostle comes into play. But what we are doing, what we're, what, we're, what we're trying to do, what we're being led by God to do is to build something that is different, something that reflects heaven. Amen? What, what True North Church is all about, it's about being a multi-ethnic collective committed to meeting people in the oceans of life and navigating through those waters in the direction that lands them at the heart of God. We said it last week that if we're going to be the church, we have to point people back to Jesus. So many times churches are guilty of pointing, the, pointing everybody back to themselves. And I'll be honest, I don't like pointing back to myself because I know who I am. I know how flawed I could be. I know how goofy or nerdy I could be. I know how quiet at times I could be when I don't need to be quiet. Or I know at times where I could be loud when I don't need to be loud. Am I talking to anybody this morning? So that's why it's great for me and whatever you're going through for me, not to point you to me, but to point you to Jesus. And that's what we are called to do. We're called to point people to Jesus. We said it last week, but we talked about the pointer dog. If you've ever hunted, I, I, I said last week I've never hunted, and 
right now I don't plan to unless I get around a, uh, you know, a good friend that will be like, you know what, Lindsay, you, you safe with me. Come on. But, you know, for those that go hunting, there's this pointer dog. And what the pointer dog does, it uses, you know, when, it, when, the, when the prey is shot and literally wherever the prey falls, literally that pointer dog, it will chase after it. And then it will use every muscle in its body to freeze and hold that position. And it will point everybody in its party to where they are supposed to go. And as Christians, we are called to be like that. We are called to take everything that we have in us, every mistake, every blessing, every past sin, every insecurity, everything, everything that we count as, and we take everything in us and we use it to point anybody and everybody that is looking at us, we use it to point them at Jesus. We use it to point them towards Jesus, amen? amen. We use it to point them to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, in the Passion Translation it says, Paul says, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. Paul says that we are called to be imitators of Christ. You know what an imitator does? An imitator literally copies and pastes. Literally, they see, they copy what they see, and they literally just do that, do exactly that. Amen? We are called to be that. We are called to imitate Jesus. And I love that because Paul says that be imitators of God in everything. Somebody say everything. Everything that you do, amen? Everything that you do. In verse 12 in Ephesians, in verse 12, let's break this verse down. It says, each expression of his gift is to fully equip and enable you for the work of the ministry. Each expression of his gift is to fully equip and enable you for the work of the ministry so that you may mutually contribute in your specific function to give definition to the visible body of Christ. We said it last week, but God is not calling the qualified. He's not calling those that have the best skill set. He's not calling those that have the greatest IQ. There's nothing, not saying that you have to not have the greatest IQ, not saying that you have to dumb down or anything like that. But what I'm saying is your external circumstances, that's not why God chose you. What you bring to the table, that's not why God chose you. God chose you out of love. God chose you before you knew what you can do well. Amen. We said it before, but success is what you can do with your eyes closed. God, God chose you way before you knew what you can do well, way before what you, way before you knew what you couldn't do well. And literally, he's not calling the qualified. He qualifies those who accept his call. He's equipping and enabling you for the work of loving and serving people. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. How, how well do you love? I remembered a, a, a series we did a while back, and I busted it out on Kelsey the other night. I said, hey, hey, hey babe, I, I suffer well with you. Y'all remember when we talked about love a while back, and we said, really, the definition of love is suffering well. You know, now when you, know, when you go to Hallmark, when you get the Hallmark cards, or when you watch the Lifetime movies or the Hallmark movies, you know, when they say, I love you, when you tell your better half, I love you, when you tell your parent, I love you, when you tell your kid, I love you, you we always say, I love you, but how many times do you ever hear somebody say, I suffer well with you? That, that, like, what? No, nobody wants to talk about suffering. But also, to say that slogan, it doesn't sell Valentine's cards. You know, when you give flowers to somebody, you don't say, here's some flowers, I suffer well with you. But in God's agape, agape idea of love, it's to suffer well with someone, even if they don't benefit you. It's to give unconditionally, even if they don't give anything back. 
So when you really, so when you, if you really mean I love you, you really say, hey, I'm willing to suffer well with you. Whatever you are suffering through, I'm willing to sit with you. I'm willing to sit with you. Well, Lindsay, where does the well come from? Well, if you've ever ordered a steak, when you get it well, that means that it's fully done. So therefore, you're willing to sit with them until, the, until it's fully gone over, until the season is fully passed. Until the trial and tribulation, until the circumstance is fully passed. So we are being equipped and enabled to suffer well with people. A lot of times when somebody asks for prayer, we're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. We say a little 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 cliche prayer just to get them on or just to move about our day. But that's that's not suffering well. See, God is equipping you and he is enabling you. He is empowering you to suffer well with people. Amen. Amen. He's equipping you. The best way to describe it is I remember back in seven years ago when we had Kellen. And if, if anybody's ever had a child before, when the day we had Kellen, I held him in the hospital. I sang over him. I cried. I snubbed. I did all that. I didn't care. I'm like, hey, this is my first kid, whatever. And then I remember a year later, you know, people were like, when are you going to have another? I'm like, we can't. We have this one. How can you, you, I have this one. How can I love another one? And then I remember when we, when, you know, Kelsey got pregnant, um, one of my biggest fears is she'll tell you, I'm like, Lord, I don't know how I love another kid. I will try my best. I don't know how I'm going to love, because we have one. Nobody taught me how to love a child. It just naturally or organically happens. And I, you know, so I'm nervous, and that whole, I won't go into the whole story of when he was born and how all that happened. I'll save you the details if you want the details. That's why there's two of us. You go to that one for you. You want the cliff notes? Holler at your boy. You want the details? There you go. You want the novelty? You want the, you want the Netflix series there? But if you want the cliff notes, you want the TikTok version. Here you go right here, the one-minute video. But uh, I, I remember when he was born, and, and when they gave him to me and I held him, it was like something in my heart just it was like another room expanded. And there was that love that I was afraid that I wouldn't have for him it, right there. And then when it came time for, for the third one, I'm like, Lord, I, we already got two. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And the moment I held him, it's like that, the heart. Imagine the heart just being a house and it just expanding. Another room growing into the heart. Just another space. And there was more love for another kid. God equips you, even when you don't think, like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to find the grace or the strength to do what you've asked me to do. I don't know how I'm going to fulfill my God-given purpose. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to hold my head up while I go to this job dealing with all that I have to deal with. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to face my family. I don't know how I'm going to face my problems. I don't know how I'm going to face whatever it is you're facing. And automatically, just organically, that equipping comes and there's more space for grace. There's more space for mercy. There's more space for patience. There's more space for love and for suffering well. There's more space, not just to tolerate, but to truly endure. Amen. To truly endure. You weren't just called to tolerate. You know that you weren't called to tolerate. You were called to endure. You were called to walk through with people. You were called to hold hands with people the same way that God walks with us, the same way that God talks to us, the same way that we are able to tell God all that's going on in our life. You are being equipped and able to do that with your best friend, with your coworkers, with your cousins, with your aunts, with your uncles, with the parents, with kids, with whoever it is that you are seeing on the daily or weekly basis. Let's just let's 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 really put the ball in your court. Who do you see on a weekly basis? Is it the people on your job? Well, guess what? That's that's who you've been called to. Start right there with that. 
Is it the people that you see frequently every day or every other couple days when you go to the same gas station? Okay, start with that. Well, Lindsay, I don't know. Well, you better get to know them. You better get to know them. Why? Because it's not just by a happen circumstance. It's not just by accident that you frequent the same service station. Or it's not just by accident that you frequent the same person at the grocery store, the same person at the job. It's not by accident. When it comes to God's purpose for your life, there is no accident. We said it last week, but when it comes to God's purpose in your life, there is no accident. God didn't accidentally create you. I don't care what people tell you. God did not accidentally create you. You were intention. You were birthed out of intention. We said it last week, but every member of Christ is vital for the body. Amen. Y'all remember that we read it last week, how we are vital members of the body of Christ. Amen. Vital members of the body of Christ. Now talking about the body, somebody say the body. I know, I've, I know I've ranted out a lot, but talking about the body, and we broke down the apostle, and originally I was telling Kelsey, I was like, and I, I, I plan to start with the prophet today, but I just, I feel like we needed to stick with the, with the apostle a little bit more. But in verse 13, it says this, the purpose of these ministry gifts is to present everyone on par, and as one, in one, this is faith, believing exactly what the Son of God believes and knowing accurately what he knows concerning us. Watch this, standing face to face in equal stature to the measure of the completeness of Christ. In other words, to bring everyone into realization of the fullness of the measure of Christ in them. The purpose of the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts is to bring everyone into unity. Watch this, to bring everyone into completeness of Christ, standing face to face. Now, see, Paul, we all know Paul. Paul was an apostle. Paul was an apostle, Paul and Barnabas. And literally when Paul, if you ever look it up, but Paul, he, he built churches. He set firm foundations for churches. You know, when you look it up, he, he built the church of Galatia and Ephesus and Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth. But if you ever fully dig it out, many believe that he directly and indirectly established 20 churches, 20 churches. And when I was like, so as I'm researching, I'm like, okay, so he knows what he's doing. You ever been around somebody that knows what they're doing? You know, we all, we all, whenever you got to call a plumber or go to a mechanic, you want them, you want the one that knows what he's doing. Amen. No, nobody wants the new guy. No offense to the new guy. No offense to, I, listen, I just started this job and I had somebody, I was, when I was training and we got to this one house and uh, the, the, the guy comes out and he's like, he's, you know, trying to see why we're there. We're like, hey, we're here to read your meters, make sure everything's good, da, da, da. And uh, uh, he said, well, who's, who's this? And the lady says, well, I'm training him. And he says, okay, well, no offense, young man, but I want her reading my meters. I said, hey, ain't, ain't nothing taken. Ain't nothing taken, brother, because I'm going to sit in this truck. I'm going to sit in this truck because it's hot. So if you want her to do the work, go ahead. But you know, she's like, no, come on. I want, I, want, I want you to see how I do this. I'm like, all right. So, you know, going out. But in his defense, he didn't want somebody new to misread and then bill him higher. You know, we, we never want the brand new surgeon doing heart surgery on us. You don't want the brand new surgeon doing brain surgery on you or, or a loved one. You don't want the brand new doctor. I mean, they, they got to they gotta cut their teeth on somebody just not me, just not you. You know, the new mechanic, he's got to learn, but just not on my car, you know. The new stylist, oh, Lord, don't go to the, bless, I remember being in high school, and we, you know, this, we have, I think we have three barbershops now in town, wow. 
And back then we just had two. And uh, but one one was open at six, one was open at six o'clock. So most people would go to that one because you get in early. And bless his heart. One time he decided to bring in somebody brand new. And no respect. We all loved them. We all respected them. But I remember I would go in there. And, and there'd be a line out the door for you. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's, there'd be a line out the door for the established barber. But the new barber, that chair would be all dusty. It'd be all lonely. You go in. Sometimes I, I, I kid you not, I thought I heard a violin playing because I just felt bad. Because nobody would go to him. And, and, and he probably could do a good job. But nobody was like, hey, you might be a great barber. You a new barber. You need to cut your teeth on somebody. Just not on me. Just not on me. We, you know, when it comes to that, we all want the experienced one. We all want the experienced one doing, you know, what it is that we need done. And when it comes to Paul being able to directly or indirectly plant 20 churches, he had experience. So when I'm looking at that, as we are in this transition period, I'm like, okay, Paul, so, so how is it that you did what we are trying to do today? How is it that you planted churches? How is it that you set firm foundations in an area where there is no Wi-Fi, in an area where there is no indoor plumbing? Glory to God. In an area where there was no AC, in the area where there was no electricity. But when we look in the middle of the book of Acts, you don't have to turn there, but whenever you study Acts, you'll see that when Paul would plant a church, he doesn't stand on the street corner on a soapbox and tell people that they're going to hell. In fact, when you look in Acts, we see that he is tactical. I love the fact that he's tactical. It means that he knows what he's doing. You ever been around somebody that knows what they're doing? A tactical person. Listen, when it comes to my vehicle, when it comes to the moment that it starts making a noise I don't, I don't recognize, I go to my dad. Why? Because he knows what he's doing when it comes to vehicles. And I'm like, hey, Pop. And listen, he, he can tell you he, may, he, he, knows, he, he knows his limits. I don't know his limits, and I'm okay with that. Because I'm his son. And the same way that my kids see me, I see my dad. Hey, hey, Pops. You, hey, the, the truck's a little low on this side here. Just pick it up with your bare hands. You can. And he'll tell you, I can't pick the truck up. But in my defense, I know that he knows what he's doing. So, therefore, there's a level of trust and confidence that is placed in him. And even if he doesn't know what he's doing, watch this. I know that the Lord will equip him. To do what he's got to do, what he needs to do. Why? Because I've seen it done before. See, that's the difference when we place our trust and confidence in Jesus. Not only can we do what we do well, but when we feel like we can't do it well, there comes that equipping. There comes that enabling. There comes that supernatural grace that enables you and it empowers you to hold your head up and do what you do well. Even when you're sick, to do what you do. How, how do you think you're able to go to work when you're sick? A lot of times we're like, well, I just press through it. it yeah, it's not you. It's the gift of God in you. It's the Holy Spirit in you, equipping you. We said it before, Acts 17, 28. It is, it's in him that we live. It's in him that we move. It's in him that our existence is able. It's in him that we're able to function. It's by him that you're able to grip up a spoon. It's by him that you're able to open a door. It's by him that you're able to go to work. It's by him that you're able to send a text message. It's by him that your heart is able to pump the right amount of blood all throughout your body. It's by him that every, uh, every neuron in your brain is working on the right level. It's by him and through him. Amen. Amen. He equips you. 
not just for not just for church stuff, but he equips you for everything that goes on outside these double doors. But see, we love to just associate God with church stuff instead of saying, hey, God, all of my life is yours. Folding the laundry, Lord, I give you permission to talk to me while I'm folding laundry. Or, Lord, I give you permission while I'm driving the car. Lord, I give you permission to interact with me in every ounce of my life, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday nights. But I love this because when Paul would play in the church, he was tactical. He would attend the local Jewish synagogue. And the Bible says that he would begin to speak in the synagogue. And because he was, you know, the Bible says that it talks about how literally he was, you know, he was a great orator. He was a charismatic figure. But also he possessed knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures, which helped him win over key people. And if that wasn't enough, once he won over key people, he would establish leaders. Leaders that he could trust. He would establish leaders that he could trust. And then once that was built in place, he would go on to the next town. And the Bible says that even though that's great and we're like, oh, man, that's so great. He built up a team. You know, that's one of the main models for businesses today. Build up a team. CEOs build up the right team. Churches build up the right leadership team. The problem was when Paul would go away, you ever heard that? When mom and dad go away, the mice will play. <laughs> Lord, today, I, for our kids, I think it's the opposite. When we're away, for some reason, everybody says, oh, man, your kid's so good. Because we picked up Cohen Friday from Lloyd Corn, they, they t- or Drea. Drea picked up Cohen, that, and they told him, he's just so good. And I'm like, what kid are they talking about? <laughs> he doesn't cry. What kid are they talking about? He just eats everything. What? Well, yeah, that's my kid because he does eat everything. <laughs> it's the oldest one that's picky. And with our kids, it's like every, when they go everybody else, they're so great, so polite. Everybody's like, oh, Kellen's so polite. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Why don't you come home with us? When we, when we got to cook real food and feed it, not just pizza and burgers. Why don't, you come see, why don't you come see what the trenches is like, ma'am? But I love it because, you know, the scriptures talk about how when Paul would literally go away, the Bible says that there was wolves in sheep clothing and they would come and they would try to divide the church. They would try to split the body of Christ. They would try to in, interpret all the former Jewish traditions and say, hey, you have to go back to that. So what did Paul do? Paul would write letters to the church. He wrote two letters to the church in Corinth, which is where we get First and Second Corinthians. He wrote letters to the church in Galatia, letters to the church in Philippi, letters to the church in Thessalonica. And with this, his intention was to realign their faith. Realign their faith. I like that phrase. Somebody say realign. Sometimes our faith needs realigning. Sometimes our theology needs realigning. Sometimes our hope needs realigning. Why? Because if, you, if you've ever driven a vehicle that needs realigning, you can, you can tell the moment it needs realigning when you take your hand off the steering wheel and it begins to veer right or veer left. And it's not, it's not that you've taken a hammer or anything to your vehicle and just started banging it until it got out of, re, got out of alignment. But what happens is as you're driving it, as it gets those miles, Wear and tear happens. As it's going through life, wear and tear happens. As you're going through life, sometimes wear and tear happens. Sometimes you hit a bump that you weren't expecting. Sometimes you get a diagnosis that you was not expecting. Sometimes a friend leaves you that you were not expecting. Sometimes somebody says the wrong thing and it sends you down a spiral. And we find ourselves needing realigning. And when Paul would realign, his purpose was, hey, you veered off from what Jesus has intended you to do. 
moving past the nose for a minute. Do, do we find ourselves veering away from Jesus' intention for my life? Do we, do we find ourselves you now, God's placed us on this earth for a purpose. Do we find ourselves kind of veering left when we're supposed to be centered? Is there some days in the week where you're like, you know what God has told you to do? You remember what God has told you this? You remember what's been spoken of you? You remember what his word says? But sometimes you just find yourself veering this way or veering that way. And, and in those moments, that's when the Holy Spirit gets to realign us back to center. That's when he gets to bring us back to the right position. That's when he gets to bring your heart back to the right posture. And that posture for your heart, it looks like a yielding. It looks like a surrendering. It looks like a, hey, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm coming to you. That's my favorite posture. Because it's, it's one, it's super honest. It's super transparent. But then also it puts the ball back in his court and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you do. See, the great thing about following Jesus, you don't have to have the answers. You just need to know him. You just need to know him, amen? You just need to know when it comes to marriage, you will not have all the answers. I'll tell y'all two right now. You, as, as smart as you are, as much as you've been through, you will never know the answer. You will know all the answers, and you got to be okay with it. When it comes to running a business, you will never know all the answers. When it comes to parenting, you will never know all the answers. When it comes to being a great employee, you will never know all the answers. When it comes to whatever it is you do well, you will never know all the answers. You just need to know the answer. Who is the answer, Lindsay? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's known as perfect love. Listen, if perfect is, is your adjective, then guess what? You are the answer. And if perfect, if he's described as perfect love, then he is the answer. Amen? He is the answer. But literally, Paul will send letters to these churches to realign their faith, to bring them back into hope. That's what real apostles do. Real apostles, they, 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 that's what a good builder does. Good builders, they understand the importance of realignment, especially when the builder or when the building or project is off balance, especially when it's off balance. You know, when I was thinking about this, you, I, don't, I don't know why I thought about this, but if you've ever bought a, a piece of furniture or a bookshelf, you know, I remember one time we bought this bookshelf from Walmart. It was back when we, our first year of marriage. This bookshelf and this one lamp. And if you've ever bought stuff like that, the cheap stuff, not the, not, not the great, you know, take out a loan furniture, but the kind where it's like the change under the couch and you use that. It's, if you ever bought that type of stuff. And I remember one time we bought this bookshelf and I'm putting it together. And Kelsey's like, you going to look at these instructions? I was like, girl, I like the picture on the box. It's on the box. It's pretty self-explanatory. I put it together and, y'all, we had a few pieces left. And she was so sweet about it. She's like, what's this over here? I'm like, oh, oh, it's in case it tears up. In case it tears up, we got, you ain't got to take it nowhere, babe. <laughs> you ain't got to go anywhere. They're so thoughtful. Get ready to stand that bookshelf up, and here's what it does. Just like that. It don't go all the way down. It just leans a little bit. Oh, it's just like, I don't think it's right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's right either. I said, good thing we got those extra pieces. So I'm pretty sure those extra pieces were the essential pieces. But I remember that, you know, because, uh, what would you say? <laughs> for stability, exactly. But I remember that a lot of times, if we're being honest, we'll, you know, it, you know I remember I, I did try to prop it up. I took, you know, a little cardboard, slid it under there. 
you know, growing up, I remember when things would begin to lean, what we do, we take that cardboard and we, you know, just we're going to prop this up. Or we stand there, we put it right against the wall in the corner. That way both walls are holding it up. The tree's about to fall, so we put it in the corner. We stand it up and let the, you know, all that. But a lot of times when it comes to not just in the physical realm, but a lot of times churches, we love to, when things are leaning, instead of realigning, we will just, okay, what, what can we jimmy rid to prop this up? Well, what can we do to make sure that the facade still stays the way? Or let's not even talk about the church. Let's talk about ourselves. Well, you, know, what, well, you know, our appearance is down. There's a, there's a chink in our armor, and we don't want everybody to see it. So what can we do? Uh, how much more makeup can we add? How much more, uh, how, much, how, how bigger of a smile can we put on when really we're not okay? How much more can we pretend to be? How much more can we fake it until we make it? And the other day I was like, Lord, I don't feel like faking it until I make it. And he said, I never called you to fake it until you make it. I said, say that again, Jesus. I heard him, but I needed, I, I was like, Lord, I need to hear that again. He said, I never called you to fake it till you make it. I called you to lean into me. Literally, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says that, that we, every burden that you have, give it to him. Every, every weary and tired and heavy burden, give it to him and he will give you what? Rest. You know what rest is? Rest is a cease of activities. Rest is a cease of you trying to make it happen day in and day out. And when he said that to me Friday, I was like, Lord, you didn't call me to fake it till I make it. Then why do we, then why are your people so committed to that? Why are we so committed that if, we're, if we don't have it just right, we're going to pretend that we got it right? Why are we so committed that if it doesn't look the way this church has it or if it doesn't look the way we see it on social media or we see it on TV, then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try to get as close as we can. When I'll be honest, there's some days where I don't, I, I don't feel like being happy. And I've come to the point that if I don't feel like being happy, I'll let you know I'm not going to be mean about it, but I'm be like, hey, this, I got this going on and I'm struggling a little bit. Not because I want your attention, but because I want your prayers. But then also I want you to see that, hey, here is a Christian being honest in hopes that you yourself will do the same. Why? Because when you, when you, if, you, if you were to Google some of the reasons that people don't like going to church, why people don't trust the church, it's because of a lack of transparency. It's because, hey, I, I, I want to know that the person I'm sitting beside in church, I want to know that they're struggling with their bills too. Or I want to know that they're struggling trying to keep their kids in line. Or I want to know that they, they had to change their own flat tires. I want to know that their tires get flat. I remember when we, when we were serving at this one church down in Florida. And I remember, you know, it was, it was a very tough season for us. And I've told my parents about that. I've told everybody about this. It was a very tough season for us financially. And I remember when we pulled up, you know, like we had, you know, we still showed up with a uh, smile on face. Still came to serve still uh, leading kids to the Lord, still pouring as much as we could by at the same time only having $20 in the bank. Wondering, okay, lunch is coming. I got to figure out how to feed these kids and my wife and still make it until payday. And I remember one, one, one Sunday where, you know, I'm, I'm turning on the lights to get everything ready. And uh, the security team says, hey, pastor just pulled in. Can you, can you go help him uh, get the stuff out of his vehicle? Okay, sure. So I'll go in. I, I don't see him. I'm like, hey, where is he? Oh, that, that's his, that, he's over there. That's his new ride. And Paul was like, new ride? Lord, I mean, that, that's great for him, but, you know, I, Lord, what, what about me? 
What, Lord, what, what, what about me? What, what, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm being faithful. What, what, what about me? Has, has anybody ever been there this morning? Where you, where you see somebody else get blessed and you're like, Lord, what about me, Lord? What about all the things that I've poured into, Lord? What about the no's that I've said to people? What about the times that I've sacrificed? What about all these different things? Well, that's very selfish. Well, number one, the thing, the fact that I went to the Lord first versus just letting it all fly out on social media, that was a great posture to go to the Lord first. And second, in doing that, the Lord was like, he reminded me, oh, I'm taking care of you as well. But what I'm doing, it may not look like that, but I will never leave you nor forsaken you. And in that moment, he reminded me, I blessed you with your children. You will not have to beg for anything. You will not have to beg for provision for your children. You will not have to beg for provision for your wife. And in that moment, I had a, I had a crossroads to make. I'm like, okay, Lord, I can trust you with what you're saying, or I can keep complaining. I can keep staying in this bitter state. I can keep this bitterness. Because if we're honest, bitterness, it feels good to the flesh. It feels great to be petty. It feels great to be like sarcastic. It feels great to bite. But it's not Christ-like. It's not Christ-like. It, feel, it feels great to when, when somebody does something to you. It feels great to be like, oh, you're okay, I got you. I got you. Let, let me, come here, let me just pray for you. Let me, let me just put these hands on you and pray. It feels great to be like that. Lizzie, where are you going? I'm going in a state of transparency and honesty this morning. Because at the end of the day, God was on full transparent display for us on a wooden cross. We've talked about that before. That when he was placed on that wooden cross, it wasn't like he was fully clothed. It wasn't like he was in full decency. He was indecent, bleeding and ripped apart and shredded apart for us for us never hide anything from God never never hide your emotions from God never hide your insecurities from God never hide the state of your heart never hide the posture of your heart why because he can handle it it's what he wants why it's what it's what he wants to do because if we can show him if we can expose him to that guess what the Bible says that when you expose yourself what's going to happen is you're going to receive the exposure of him because see, when we give him our weariness, when we give him our heaviness, and he gives us that rest, there is freedom that comes with that rest. There is peace that comes with that rest. There is joy that comes with that rest. There is strength that comes with that rest. What is it that you need to work to hold your head up tomorrow? What is it that you need to be able to get in the car and drive to where you, whatever you got, wherever you're going to go today? What is it that you need in order to do what you need, what you do best tomorrow and this week? It's in Jesus. It is found in Jesus. Is there hope that you need? It's found in Jesus. Is there peace that you need? It's found in Jesus. Lindsay, I need advice on how to be a better husband. It's found in Jesus. Lindsay, I need marriage advice. It's found in Jesus. Lindsay, I need parenting advice. It's found in Jesus. Lindsay, I need business advice. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And this is what the church is to do is to point to Jesus. Whatever the problem is, we point to Jesus. Not that, we're, not that we're saying we're sending everybody else in a different direction. No, we're saying, hey, in me, I don't have what you need, but I know the one who has all that you need. Let me realign you 
to the right position. Let me realign you to the right posture. Let me realign you in the space that puts you in the grace and mercy that you need. Let me realign you. And that's what Paul did in every letter to every church. Hey, I see you're going off. I see you're getting distracted. I see you're getting unfocused. Let me realign you. Let me re remind you of the one that was shedded upon a cross. I'll close with that. Let me remind you of the one that literally gives us grace every day. Let me remind you of the one that sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us daily. That's one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus, the fact that he's interceding. It doesn't, it, you know, the fact that it says that he's interceding means that he is constantly aware of you. Constantly aware of you, amen constantly aware of you why because the why because this is what a good builder does a good builder is aware of the foundation a good builder is aware if there if there's any cracks or if there's any separation or if there's anything that's pushing uh, the, the the distortion or if there's anything that's pushing things out of whack that's what a good builder does we said it last week but you got to trust your heavenly builder god is building you brick by brick he is building you brick by brick. And in order to apply a brick, one brick has the top surface of the brick has to be scraped off. That means all the excess, all the dirt, all the worry, all the insecurity, all the trouble, all the frustration, all the bitterness, all these different, it's got to be scraped off so there could be a clean slate for him to apply the next brick. You are being built brick by brick. You are being built brick by brick. You are being built brick by brick. You have to trust your heavenly father. You have to trust your heavenly father. Amen.